Welcome back. I'm Dr. Shauna Shapiro, and I'm delighted to be here with you. Let's begin by simply arriving. Arriving here together. Allowing your eyes to close and just take a moment to gather your attention. People often say that time is our most valuable resource. They're wrong. It's our attention. So gathering your attention here in the present moment. See if you can feel the toes of your feet and just wiggle them. See if you can begin to soften the jaw, soften the eyes and the forehead. See if you can sense the whole body resting here. And then notice that you're breathing. And just feel how the breath is oxygenating the body with each inhale, releasing with each exhale. And then inviting in your intention for being here. In what direction do you want to set the compass of your heart? Toward greater joy, greater compassion, greater kindness. Really listening to what most needs your attention, what is most important right now. And then as you're ready, taking a deeper breath in and out and just taking a moment to thank yourself for arriving here. You can let some light come back in through the eyes and stretch your arms above your head. Good. So I'd like to begin this session with a story. 20 years ago, I was straight out of graduate school and ready to save the world. I walked into the Veterans Hospital in Tucson, Arizona for my first day leading a therapy group for soldiers with post-traumatic stress disorder. Even though I was aware of the shocking statistic that each year we lose more soldiers to suicide than to combat, I was entirely unprepared for the depth of suffering and despair I encountered. I was also unprepared for the ocean of compassion these soldiers had for each other. There was one man in the group who never said a word. He never looked up. Week after week, he just stared at the floor in silence. Then one day, after about a month, he raised his hand. All eyes turned toward him as he cleared his throat and slowly uttered words I'd never heard. I don't want to get better, he said. What I saw in the war, what I did, I don't deserve to get better. He looked back down at the floor, and in excruciating detail, he described what he had seen and, and worse, what he had done. As he spoke, the chill of his shame filled the room. Slowly, he raised his eyes to meet the gaze of his fellow soldiers. And instead of the rejection and judgment he expected, he found compassion. He didn't say another word, but as he rose to leave, I got the feeling something inside of him had begun to thaw. Slowly, over the next weeks, 
the compassion of the other men helped him find compassion for himself. He began to believe that he wasn't defined by his past. He began to believe that change was possible, that there was a path out of his suffering. I continued to work with the soldier for months, and by the end of our time together, he had decided he was going to begin volunteering to help other veterans. He realized that his life was still worthy. He realized that by bringing compassion to himself, he could begin to change. This story reveals the power of self-compassion. Regardless of our past, compassion can help us rediscover our dignity and our purpose. It's a revolutionary act treating ourselves kindly, and it can begin to reverse years or even a lifetime of self-judgment and shame. Like a guiding light, self-compassion allows us to face our darkness. Dr. Kristen Neff, a professor from the University of Texas at Austin, first defined and measured the construct of self-compassion within a scientific academic setting. And she says self-compassion involves treating ourselves as we would treat a dear friend having a hard time. We learn to bring kindness, affection, and tenderness to our own suffering. We learn to be on our own team instead of berating or rejecting ourselves. And yet, self-compassion is difficult for most of us. We're far more compassionate toward others than toward ourselves. If a friend comes to us with a problem, do we yell at our friend for being stupid and incompetent? Of course not. We offer compassion. When our friend has made a mistake, we don't react. And yet, when we've made a mistake, we blame ourselves and shame ourselves. When we're having a hard time, we get upset instead of offering compassion. We think the key is to take a tough love, hoist ourselves by the bootstraps attitude. We shame ourselves for our shortcomings and our imperfections, mistakenly believing this will somehow motivate us to change. But shame doesn't work. It literally robs our brain of the resources we need to meet the challenging situation and make change. When we feel shame, the amygdala, the part of our brain that is central to memory, decision-making, emotion, it triggers a cascade of norepinephrine and cortisol, chemicals that increase our stress level, narrow our perspective and our perceived threats, and inhibit our cognitive flexibility. Shame puts us in the grip of our fight-flight-freeze survival response, inhibiting the learning centers of the brain. If we want to learn from our mistakes and keep from repeating them, we need a compassionate mindset, not shame. For example, I remember arriving late one day to pick my son Jackson up from school. He was the last child waiting. When I saw him sitting there cold, lonely, miserable, shame started its toxic tirade. Why are you late? Why didn't you schedule your day more carefully? Now look what you've done. You're failing as a mother. While it's natural to feel regret about making a mistake, especially if it causes pain to someone we love, if I fall prey to these judgmental thoughts, not only are they adding to the pain I already feel for being late, 
but they're preventing me from being attuned to Jackson as he gets in the car. And they're inhibiting my ability to learn from the situation and handle it differently the next time. What I really needed was, oh, sweetheart, it's painful to see Jackson sitting alone waiting for you. Next time, remember not to squeeze one more student into office hours. Followed by a deep breath to help me reset and be the present loving mother I want to be as I pick up my son. When you bring a compassionate response to a difficult situation instead of shaming yourself, you're more likely to learn from your mistakes and make changes. For example, a study at Duke University found that self-compassion had a powerful effect on eating behaviors. After female dieters were asked to eat a donut, half were told, several people have told me that they feel kind of bad about eating donuts in this study, so I hope you won't be hard on yourself. The other participants, those in the control group, were not told anything. The researchers found that those in the control group were very hard on themselves after eating the donut. They felt guilty and ashamed, whereas people who were encouraged to be compassionate about eating the donut were kinder and less upset after eating it. Even more fascinating, when they were later given the opportunity to eat as much candy as they wanted as part of a taste test, they ate less candy than those in the control group. Think about that. Just that slight suggestion towards self-compassion changed not only how they felt, but their behaviors. Self-compassion supported these women in remaining focused on their goal of eating healthy, even after a temporary stumble. Instead of helping us grow and evolve, shame undermines us. It undermines our very belief in ourselves and leaves us helpless. As Brene Brown aptly puts it, shame corrodes the very part of us that believes we're capable of change. In contrast, when we act with self-compassion, we trigger the release of oxytocin, the love hormone that facilitates safety and connection. And we release endorphins, our natural feel-good neurotransmitters. Together, these reduce distress and increase feelings of care, support, and energy. In essence, self-compassion is about love. It's about treating ourselves with love and letting ourselves feel loved despite our own imperfection and messiness. So let's practice together. The most important place to begin is with our intention. It is essential to begin and to continue this course with an understanding of why you are here. Why is self-compassion important to you? What are you hoping for? The power of intention is not to be underestimated. Our intention sets the stage for what is possible. It will help you stay connected to your personal blueprint for what you value most. So letting your eyes close and begin by just feeling the natural flow of breath rising and falling in the body. Feel yourself grounded and present and bring an attitude of kindness and curiosity to whatever arises. 
And as you're ready, inviting in an intention for this journey. Ask yourself, what truly motivates me at this time? What do I care about? Why is self-compassion important now? And it could be that you realize you're sabotaging yourself through your own self-judgment and shame. It could be that you want to cultivate compassion for yourself so you can be more compassionate and kind and patient with others. It could be that you just want more happiness, more joy in your life, and you know that self-compassion is one of the direct paths to happiness. On some level, you know the answer to these questions, and all we're doing right now is creating the space to let this knowledge rise to the surface. Feel your breath, feel your body, and just listen. Don't make this a mental activity where you're trying to figure out the right, most perfect intention. Simply listen, feel, open, staying curious and kind. And when you feel your intention, like, I want to be kinder to myself, feel the purity in it, feel the innocence. Our intentions create a sense of ease and motivation simultaneously in the body. So finding your word or phrase that will continue to guide you through this course. And then when you're ready, you can allow your eyes to open and I would invite you to write down your intention. And if no clear intention came to you, Simply set an intention to keep listening with kindness. Good. So again, we will close each session with our key takeaway, our gold nugget, which again is the one thing that you really want to remember, take with you, encode into your long-term memory. So take a moment now and just reflect on the key teachings of this session. Perhaps that shame shuts down the learning centers of your brain or that self-compassion is a powerful ally. Stay with this gold nugget for two full breaths, giving the brain time to encode it. Good, and as you're ready, taking another breath in and out, and just thank yourself for dedicating your time and energy to these practices. Feel the wholesomeness of spending your time in this way, and feel your own good heart that drew you here. Trust the seeds planted will continue to grow. I look forward to continuing with you in our next session.